Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Tara here with Hoodie Dan Morang, and we are working our way through the Western Conference doing division previews. Today we are joined by a guest who's going to talk to us about what is going on in the Pacific Division. So Dan, do you want to go ahead and introduce our guest today? Yeah, you know, this is a good friend of the show, a uh, friend of mine. I uh, spent some time with him down in, at the Vegas Summer League, and uh, that's the only nice things I'll say about him because Anthony Irwin, the host of Locked on Lakers, where you can find him as also part of the SB Nation Network for the Lakers. It's, it's, it's like I, I have to bite my tongue. But Anthony Irwin is joining <laughs> us here. Anthony, man, thanks for hopping on, man. I, it's like we talked about before the show. Anthony Irwin, he's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he may be a Laker fan, but he's not that bad. <laughs> what we're trying to do is reach across the aisle, and you know, if we can't all find common ground, then I don't know what hope we have. Even just like a, you know, with a little bit, I think as we go through talking about the different teams, I bet you we'll find some things that we agree on. Um, although we, I'm sure, will still continue to have uh, the rivalry that has always existed between, at least between Portland and the Lakers. I don't know if, the, Anthony, do the Lakers feel as much of a rivalry with the Trailblazers oh, as Trailblazer fans God, feel with feeding, the Lakers? You're just feeding him now. <laughs> well, I All don't right, know so I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm going to try to not sound <laughs> like a Laker like fan. Obnoxious Laker fan. I'm going to try to not sound like it, but. Like if we considered the Trailblazers rivals, we'd have to consider basically every NBA team a rival to to some extent. Now, personally, I hate the Blazers because the Lakers have just historically sucked in their building. It's just it's just it's not gone very well unless Kobe's making a couple shots over the the Kobe stopper Ruben Patterson. <laughs> but on other you know other than those brief moments, for the vast majority of my Laker my history as a Laker fan, it has not gone well for us up North. And I think they've won five times point, in the Moda center total. Yeah. My, it's something my, my wife, my wife at this point, you know, if I'm telling her, you, I, I, I got to work tonight. Oh, okay. Who are the Lakers playing? They're playing the Blazers. Oh, are they away? Yeah. Oh yeah. That show is going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that goes. But, but in general, yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to consider a rivalry when the Lakers have, have taken care of business just about every time they've met in the playoffs. And Ouch. we're going to go ahead and stop there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the silence God. afterward. The silence afterward. <laughs> it's telling. That's the sound of both of our heads dropping. Just <sighs> so anyway, well, we're gonna let you keep talking anyway. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate. It. <laughs> you, you know what? You just added more to my, my muse cage. So <laughs> Kobe's post career has been really weird. <laughs> okay. You know what? As far as players who are in retirement, I gotta admit I have so enjoyed whatever it is that he's doing in retirement because it is 
so strange. You retired and found edibles. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But anyway, right, let's any, get into any, these previews any, before this goes way too sideways. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's start with um, the Phoenix Suns. They were in fifth place in the Pacific Division last year. So we'll start there and we'll work our way up to uh, the top of the division. Last year's Phoenix Suns had a record of 24 and 58. They were 15th in the Western Conference, number five in the Pacific Division. They had a pretty straightforward offseason. They lost Leandro Barbosa, Alex Len, and Ronnie Price, and they added three draft picks. Josh Jackson, Devin Reed, and Alec Peters. That was uh, pretty much the Phoenix offseason. They pretty much stayed pat. So, guys, what are the strengths of the Phoenix Suns this year? You know, you take a look at Phoenix, they're... I think kind of the model for what Philly did, they're, they're embracing the tank. Um, they're, they're going, instead of trust the process, they're, they're going with hashtag the timeline. And they've got a ton of young, exciting, incredibly athletic players. Um, Devin Booker and Josh Jackson are, are probably two of the best young bookend players, if you're asking me, as far as guys who you would want to build around. Um, I'm probably higher on Josh Jackson than just about anybody. Uh, I thought he was the best, if not the second best player uh, in the draft uh, between him and another guy that I just, there's something about the guy that I just really, really enjoy the, the way he gets okay, after. Why? What does he do that you like so much? It's it's his attitude. It's his tenacity. It's his versatility. He can score. He can defend. He can play one through four. Um, I mean, there's just a lot that he can do in and, and, and the way he goes about it. Um, there's, there's a bit of a throwback mentality to him. That, that I really enjoy where he's got, he's got a little bit of nastiness to him. And we, it's been a while since we've had some, some guys in the league who have come in with that, that swagger and that nastiness on both ends of the floor. And Booker's got it on the offensive end. Booker, I mean, he definitely doesn't have it on the defense. Yeah, no, I think that's okay in today's NBA, right? Anthony, like, mm-hmm. like it's okay yeah, to have one so. of those guys to just goes ham offensively. I think every team needs that guy that just his sole purpose in life is to get buckets. And that's 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 what what that's what he does. I I would agree, but I don't think your best player can be that guy. You, you you're you can have that that guy as you know the the team's J.R. Smith or the Warriors don't really have that guy because they're cheating. But but you know for the Suns, if they if their team really wants to take that next step, Devin Booker has to start carrying on defense. He has to, he has to at least try. He has to be. I don't think he'll ever be replacement level defensively. I don't think he'll ever be even average, but I think he needs to get as close to that as possible because, you know, so long, I mean, and it, it kind of depends on what Phoenix wants. It's, it's kind of tough because they are the kind of franchise that, you know, they, they try to appease their fan base by just getting to the playoffs as often as possible, trying to be as entertaining as possible. Uh, fortunately for that Steve Nash era, they did both. They were hugely entertaining and they were very successful by Phoenix Sun standards. And so if, if this Phoenix Suns team is just hoping to entertain, then sure, it doesn't really matter what Devin Booker develops on the defensive end. But if they actually want to take themselves seriously and legitimately contend, Devin Booker has to evolve as a defender. Dan, when you said hashtag timeline, what do you guys think actually is the timeline for the Phoenix Suns? Are they 
you know, five years out? Are they 12 to 15 years out? They're four, they're, they're, what, they're legitimately four, four or five years out. And that's not because like they're short on talent. It's just, that's what they need to grow into their, their, their bodies and their skill sets. I mean, the average age mm-hmm. of, of every one of their top tier players is like just under 20 years old. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. on this team is a kid. It's, it's incredible. Um, then for them, that's, that's, that's a bright future. But I mean, you don't have, you, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but you don't have your man body. I mean, we can see, we can look at this in Portland with Zach Collins. You don't grow into that unless you're LeBron, you know, who hits it at 16 until you're 25, 26, 27. So when these guys, you know, finally grow, like a guy like Josh Jackson, who's already incredibly long, strong, fast, it, if he grows into that and gets that, that man body to go with it, he, he's the kind of player who has all the tools to be a complete and utter nightmare. Um, <laughs> So if those guys grow into that strength, they grow into that mentality, and they grow into a veteran-type team um, by having the right guys alongside them, this could be a, a team that could easily step into the four as Golden State's you know, star start, starts to fade a little bit, at least in my eyes. Yeah, that's that's kind of what they're doing. And, and the other thing, too, to keep in mind with Phoenix is – their fan base is patient enough that they can stick with this long rebuild. That, that's the knock that I have on Laker fans is that they were on the right track. In my opinion, I thought, I thought it was interesting to watch a Laker team develop in ways that we've never really seen before. Sure. They drafted magic Johnson, but they drafted him to play alongside Kareem. Sure. They drafted Kobe Bryant, but they've drafted him and he played alongside Shaq from day one. Uh, sure. They drafted, James Worthy, but he joined the aforementioned Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The Laker fan base doesn't have the patience, in my opinion, and we found this out. I don't think it's even opinion at this point. It's just fact. The Lakers fan base doesn't have the patience to stick with a long rebuild, and that's one thing that the Phoenix Suns have going for them is that the fan base is, is willing to, to stick with hashtag the timeline. It's the timeline, right? Yeah, the timeline. And... Uh, if they trade a Bledsoe, they aren't going to revolt and say, see, they really don't care about winning. It's it's really, you know, they've bought into Devin Booker. The, one of my funnest thing, one of my favorite habits to <laughs> or hobbies on Twitter is to tweet out Devin Booker, Jody Meeks comparisons just to see how <laughs> Phoenix Suns fans just just a poke the nest. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just uh, to throw a stick in there in their mud every so often. But but uh, I, I would say that's the it's it's insanely hard to put a finger on how valuable that is as an organization trying to find their footing. That their fan base is just going to say, you know what, we're going to stick this out. We're going to see what this develops into. Uh, sure, Alex Lynn is insanely rough around the edges, but I think if you were to actually ask Phoenix Suns fans, like you know, would you like this guy back? Because you you mentioned him, Tara, as as gone, but I think he's still just a free agent, right? Well, has he's, he just not been picked back up? Yeah, it's it's they have this really weird situation with uh, restricted free agency and whether he's going to do you know take the take the qualifying yeah, offer or whatever. Or not. It's, it's the same situation in, in, yeah. that, that the Mavs had with with Nerlens Noel. Yeah. And so I, but I think at the end of the day, Suns fans would say, yeah, we, we, we'd kind of like to have this guy back. Maybe not at the money that Alex Len wants or thinks he deserves, obviously, but, 
but they do want to see this young core of, you mentioned Josh Jackson earlier, who I also really like. We talked about Devin Booker and then, you know, get Alex Lynn and then they're going to have another rough season this year. So they'll, and they'll have another draft pick, another high draft pick to team those guys up with. And it's supposedly another good draft. This this draft is loaded in the the top. If you land in the top five, you have a chance Mm -hmm. at a franchise changing guy. Oh yeah, my gosh, so, that's what they said about last year. And that's they, I, 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 like I think every year year's like, year. oh my god, the most amazing draft. We haven't seen a draft like this since LeBron. Ah. Yeah, and and not all drafts are created equal too. You know, yeah, like exactly. the, the the year this past year or the the Brandon Ingram year you know, was not, a good, not a good draft. No, period. And and so you know, and and we'll see how this draft turns out. I'm I've become like you, Tara. I'm pretty cynical when it comes to you know really thinking about how good these drafts are going to be. But all you can do if you're Phoenix is take that risk. You have to you have to at this point you have to take that plunge and and continue to try to build around a young core. Um, and I'm and I'm kind of glad they haven't traded away Tyson Chandler. I don't think they've figured it away yet. So uh, I, I like the idea of him being there to mentor these guys. He's one of, you know, the the, the most respected guys across the league. I, I like what they're doing, but they're, you know, three years away from being two years away. Awesome. Well, I'm going to move us on a little bit and I will just make a note. So I'm getting all of these uh, uh, added and lost from real GM and some of them are I think you're right. They just, they list them in the last column, but they're actually still free agents who haven't been re-signed yet. So kind of like a Shabbat, I think Shabazz Muhammad went through the same thing with Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Went back to, yeah. So definitely if I say something like that, call that out so that uh, we make sure we get the right information. But right now I'm just getting all this stuff off of real GM. So I'll put the links to it if people want to uh, check it out afterwards. Continuing on, on with the Phoenix Suns, I mean, with most teams, I ask this, the secret to beat them. <laughs> is, Show up. <laughs> well, I mean, is, you know, to, to be the, older, wiser, play smart. Play, I guess it's exactly. It. It's, it's, it's minimize mistakes. They're a team, like, they're yeah. a team that, that they can get a win on any given night because they're so athletic up and down the lineup. They, they, if, they can, if, you, you, if you come out flat, they can run you into the floor. Eric Bledsoe, Devin Booker, Josh Jackson, th- those three guys are going to run the floor and wear you down if you're not willing to put in the work. And that's how they get, that's how they get wins is they just run mm-hmm. all night long. So if you're not competent enough on defense and willing to show up, they'll come in and steal a win. I mean, they did it to Portland last year. Anthony, you got anything else, thing to add about um, how to beat them? Exactly what Dan said. Got you it, just have to minimize your mistakes mm-hmm. and and let them beat themselves. Like not only, not only do you have to minimize your mistakes, but put yourself in a position to take advantage when they inevitably kick themselves in the, in the, in the shin. Cause they will, cause they're a young team. Anthony, I listened to a recent episode of locked on Lakers and you guys were talking about stories that are clickbait. Basically, what are the things that are most clickable? So my mm-hmm. question for the Phoenix suns is what do you think is going to be the most clickable story for the Phoenix suns coming up this season? So I think it, it always starts with player movement, right? So where is Tyson Chandler going to eventually get shipped off to? Where is Eric Bledsoe going to eventually get shipped off to? So aside from that, because that's kind of the the low-hanging fruit, but it has to be Devin Booker's development because mm-hmm. he he is he is extremely talented. And I, I know it sounds like at this point I've just been crapping on uh, Devin Booker. I really enjoy the way he plays on offense. I, I enjoy shooter shoot mentality. It's just, it's just really fun to watch him play, but eventually you need to take that step from, 
folklore hype machine player to actual impactful NBA player. And he's still super young. I don't even think he, is he 20 yet? I think he just turned 20, if I'm not mistaken. Like he came into the league (laughs) so young. Yeah. And so, you know, he still has plenty of time on his side. So, but over the next, you know, year or so you have to start every so often you're going to have to see those highlights or, you know, Matt Moore is going to have to tweet out, Hey, you know what? Devin Booker actually made the right defensive rotation there. And and that's mm. kind of what I'll be looking for. It's, it's, it's not going to drive a bunch of clicks, but that's going to be the, mm. that's going to be what, what drives uh, Phoenix's actual development. Dan, any other last words on Phoenix before we move on? I, I'm right with Anthony as far as like what's going to drive. It's going to be player movement and Devin Booker. But I think what may be kind of undersold here is Josh Jackson as rookie of the year. Oh, I, I, calling! I, are you wow? He, he's the guy that Early I, I rookie of the year. Call. He, he's the guy that I've loved. It's between him and, and Dennis Smith Jr. for me. The, those two me are the two and guys. Zach that, Collins and Caleb Swanigan. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> as much as I'd love for Biggie to go ahead and be in that conversation, I, I don't see it happening, and I don't, I don't think Collins is going to have enough time to on the floor to to qualify for the award. <laughs> okay, well, moving on. Coming in fourth in the Pacific Division, your Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony. They finished with a 26 and 56 record, number 14 in the Western Conference. I'll do my best to uh, list all the movement that happened. In a busy summer. <laughs> so you lost Tariq Black, Timofey Mozgov, David Nuaba, Thomas Robinson. Is, Tom, is T-Rob gone or is he just still a free agent? Hasn't resigned yet. He won't, he won't be, he won't be okay. in the, their front court's already too crowded. Okay. <laughs> D'Angelo Russell, Meta World Peace, and Nick Young. And added, we've got Lonzo Ball, Vander Blue, Thomas Bryant, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Briante Weber, and Steven Zimmerman. That is a lot of movement. So how is all of that going to come together and uh, what's going to be the strength of, of this team? Can you tell yet? So you, there was a whole bunch of names there, right? And the, and the, <laughs> the list, is, the list is, is pretty intimidating when it's just listed out like that. But in terms of actual impactful guys that the Lakers lost and got back, it's that D'Angelo Russell trade and it's drafting Lonzo Ball. Now, okay. a lot of people will like yell at me and say, wait, how are you not thinking Kyle Kuzma is going to have you seen the, the front court minutes? He's not he's not going to get minutes early on. So the only guys that I would say are going to legitimately that have to learn quickly to play together are the three starters that they added. It's Lonzo, KCP and uh, Brooke Lopez. And then as the roster and everything works out it'll work out however it will i don't think julius randall's going to stick around for the entire year because they don't want to pay him and i don't think jordan clarkson's going to stick around for the whole year because they need to do whatever they can to shed salary and have the uh the space for two max guys this year but i think that the big thing or the thing that they added is sensical players who fit together well, right? So in the front court, you have Brooke Lopez who can space the floor as a five playing alongside Julius Randle, who preferred to play at the rim. Uh, you have Lonzo ball, who is not a scorer. He is, you know, his shots going to be suspect right from the get go, but he's a phenomenal passer. And you have alongside him, KCP, who 
is not looking to create for others. He's just kind of looking to to score on whatever ways that he can. And and then Brandon Ingram is just going to have to fill gaps. However, that works. The, they, this is the best Laker team they've had in five years, which is kind of like saying locked on Lakers is the best daily podcast for your <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers. There's no, no, <laughs> there's no other ones. There's out there. no comparison. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it'll be fun to watch this team come together, but I, I think they'll, They'll probably move up to third in the division, but I can't see anything crazy, any crazy jump coming this year. I have a question about Lonzo. Mm-hmm. Is you know everybody talks about his you know fantastic passing and his inability to shoot. Is it a really naive comparison to compare him to like Ricky Rubio when he first came in? No, I think it makes some sense. Uh, I like. I, I would hope that Lonzo becomes the defender that Rubio has become over the course of his career. He's he's really underrated on that side of the ball. Uh, Rubio also sees angles that most people, most players don't see, especially as early on as he saw them. I, I actually really think Minnesota's going to miss him. Mm-hmm. I prefer him to Tig. But you know, it'll be. I I, I think. It's the the one difference between Lonzo and Rubio is Lonzo I think is three or three inches taller uh, and significantly longer in terms mm-hmm. of wingspan. So I think that allows him to have a larger impact on both sides of the ball than Rubio has. But yeah, I could roll with that uh, comparison. Dan, do you have anything else to add about the strengths of this young team? Um, I think people, as much as it pains me to say this, I, I think people are, are a little harder on Lakers than they probably should be. Um, I've heard people say they're going to be the worst team in the league, blah, blah, blah. I, no, they're, they're not. They're not going to be the worst team in the league. Brooke Lopez is one of the better bigs in the entire league, and I think he's often overlooked way too easily. Um, while the, the death of the big man and the interior play has certainly been you know on the rise in the past 10 years, he still gets it done inside out. Like he, he can still score inside whenever you want. I mean, the Lakers haven't had the ability to do that. I mean, you can, I guess you could say Powell there at the end. It really wasn't a thing, but I mean, other than like peak Laker Powell, they haven't had that since Shaq. I mean, it's just that you, you can, you can throw the ball into Brooke Lopez and get two. There, there's something about having that ability on no matter what team it is, whether it's inside or outside, whether it's a guard or a wing or a big, the fact that you can go get me two and he's going to do it. That's that's a huge huge value. You need those guys in your team. Um, KCPs, I, I I couldn't believe that they 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 landed him for what they got him for. Um, mm-hmm. That's a hell of a move. Um, I think Ball's going to be better than a lot of people give him credit for because of you know everything that that's his associated his dad is associated with. But um, I, I think people probably need to slow their roll on the whole Lonzo Ball is, is Magic Johnson thing, but that's 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 Laker. Yeah. That's Laker mania there for you. Um, but I mean, they're on the right path. They're, they, which kind of sucks to, to see the Lakers doing things, you know, smart for the first time in seven years. But it, it's it's at the point where right now where it's they're they're on the right path, and as long as they stop, you know, signing Luol Dangs and, and Mozgovs, um, they'll continue to do the the smart thing um, if they if they if they stay on this path. You talked about their their path. My one question that remains with with their path that they're currently on is, what is it? 
you know, they, because <laughs> <laughs> you want to say, you want to say, all right, they drafted, they have tanked and they've successfully tanked to the point where they have the young talent. They have, you know, Julius Randall, Brandon Ingram, and now Lonzo, they had D'Angelo Russell, but they had to get rid of him to clear Timothy Mozgov off of their cap. Are they going to go with a similar strategy to get rid of Luol Deng? <laughs> Maybe. Will it cost? Will it, you know, and, and if they are willing to do that, what will it cost them? Will it cost them? It, will, it can't be Julius Randle because now whichever team uh, makes that trade for Deng and Randle is going to be committing upwards of 40, 50 million. Let's say 45 to, to 50 million of those two guys. Yeah, and so you can't combine Randall with Dang. So who's what would it actually take? Are they willing to move Nance, whom they love? Magic Johnson just called them, or just called him their secret weapon of sorts, uh, and admitted that teams are calling about Larry Nance Jr. Are they willing to include an Ingram, who looked frankly for the vast majority majority of his rookie season wasn't good, and so it'll see. You know, we'll have to see. Are they willing to trade Brandon Ingram? to have a chance at LeBron and Paul George who play his position anyway, you just never know. But so long as those questions remain, I think Laker fans have reason to be kind of skeptic over wait, you fired Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss because they kept on striking out with free agents only to go about things the same exact way they had for a while. That's a little worrying. It's a little worrisome. And, uh, you know, because he's magic and because he's so popular, I don't think those questions get asked quite as often as they should. But those are legitimate questions. Well, speaking of path, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, I think I've been thinking about all the people who are rumored to be coming to Los Angeles. You know, basically everybody is coming to Los Angeles next year. You're going to have everybody on the team. So I was to come, I was taking the people who I've, I've heard most frequently mentioned. So if next year or the year after that, you've got Russell Westbrook, Paul George, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Brooke Lopez is still there. How do, how do they do against the team from the Bay Area? I think they have a chance against them. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't take them. I, I definitely wouldn't take them, for, you know, because the, the thing that people don't quite understand with the Warriors, it isn't, it isn't, you know, just a, a group of names that all just kind of play together. It's, it's five guys that legitimately fit Perfect. perfectly together, <laughs> absolutely perfectly together. And so when you say, you know, it can be Russell Westbrook, it can be LeBron, it can be Paul George, it can be Kevin Love and, and Brooke Lopez. So we, we get to watch fights every single night between Russell Westbrook <laughs> and LeBron James, but who has the ball? Like, I can't wait for that. Awesome. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit perfectly the way the Golden State Warriors does. I, I would pay to watch that every night. Like, it would just be a complete disaster piece. It's just an ongoing train wreck. It would be, it would be the Groundhog Day of train wrecks, and it would be glorious. <laughs> I, at the beginning of it, if Rob Palenka would come out and tell us a story, <laughs> okay, <laughs> the new general here's something that really the, has a talent. Here's something that you asked me the other day on the, on the podcast, Tara, this, the, the, I, I'm struggling with when I'm looking at the Lakers. Anthony, when you look at the Lakers, what's their identity right now? Like, who are they? What, like, what is, what is, what are they looking for? Like, what is their offense? What, is, what are they looking for on defense? Like, if if you're an opposing team and you're looking at the Lakers right now, what are you? When you're looking at them, like, what what's their identity? What what do you see from them? 
Well, the terrifying thing is their identity is Lonzo Ball. It's yeah. whatever he is. <laughs> Look, uh, they painted. So the Lakers have this crazy monster TV deal with used to be Time Warner. Now they're Spectrum. Mm-hmm. On Spectrum's wall, there's a mural painted of Lonzo freaking Ball. They, the Lakers are, you know, you talked about how, you know, they've hyped him up and, and he's the next Magic Johnson. This Magic Johnson was the one hyping him up. It wasn't it wasn't like it's the fans who are out there or <laughs> or current, you know, crazy people with Kobe Abbey's saying that Lonzo Ball is going to be Magic Johnson 2.0. It's Magic Johnson at his own at, at Lonzo Ball's introductory press conference telling Lonzo, I can't wait to see your jersey up there next to mine. Mm-hmm. And if you wouldn't mind, keep a couple of my records safe for me, please. Like that that's insane. The Laker fan base is not patient at all. And now they're now they're <laughs> kind of stoking following. the flames. Yeah, Magic Johnson's out there, you know, basically telling Laker fans that if this guy doesn't walk on water, you know, he's a bust, basically. And, uh, you know, in terms of actual basketball, what they're going to be trying to do is get up and down the floor. They are going the half court. They are never going to be a good half court scoring team while they're trying to install three new starters uh, against teams that have had starters in place for, you know, going on three, four or five, whatever years. So that's probably not going to happen. So what they're going to try to do defensively is force teams into quick shots and make the pace as frenetic as possible and just try to beat teams like that, which look, it'll be fun to watch. I Vegas was awesome. Lonzo ball was playing well, and it was great to watch the team develop an identity of almost oversharing while Lonzo played. It was fun to watch that, but you know how that'll translate over to the actual NBA. That's mm-hmm. that's we, we, I guess we just have to wait and see. I forgot. I was going to introduce you um, being with the Lakers, the 2017 summer league champion. So I forgot to congratulate you on that. That was a, a well-played game. Um, <laughs> congratulations to them for that. You really want to, uh, you want to feed him another chance right now. You want to give them another chance to talk about the Lakers beating the Blazers? Like, I mean, you you can't tee him up for these things. Well, like teams or franchises like, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Chicago Bulls or the Toronto Raptors. Like I could see those guys hanging up a banner for, you know, Las Vegas champion or <laughs> summer league champion. <laughs> it's weird. So uh, one, I love Blazers fans passion for the team. Like they, they, you know, Bill Simmons calls calls your fan base the 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 soccer moms, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a cool identity. I, I I really do, and it's weird to me that Blazers fans, when they traveled to Vegas to watch the Blazers play, it's this oh man, it's really cool to see these guys out there and look how well they travel. They really love their team, and then when Laker fans go out to Vegas, somehow it's like frowned upon. It's it's this weird double standard. Yeah, it's because we do it with class and dignity. Oh. <laughs> Meaning, like you guys fly first class, like yes, that? exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, well, in that case, that's fine. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> okay, gotta get my shots Let's in. Move it on, guys. <laughs> Let's talk about another young team, the Sacramento Kings. Last year, they finished third in the Pacific Division. Their record was 32 and 50. They were 12th in the Western Conference. Get ready for another really long list of changes. 
They lost Aaron Aflalo, Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, Rudy Gay, Ty Lawson, Ben McLemore, and Anthony Tolliver. And then, of course, they also lost Boogie at the trade deadline. They've also added Bogdan Bogdanovich, Vince Carter, Jack Cooley, De'Aaron Fox, Harry Giles, George Hill, Justin Jackson, Matt Jones, Frank Mason, Zach Randolph, and Jakar Sampson. So... What uh, what what's going to be the strength of this Sacramento Kings team? It's going to be fun. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. That's that's the strength of this team. You you've got a mixture of really old NBA heads like Vince <laughs> and Zach Randolph and Zach. And, I can't believe they got both of them. I know it's great. It, it, the, the, the Grizzlies all moved west. It's great. Uh, then they added a who I think is probably the most underappreciated player in the entire NBA in George Hill. Um, to mentor um, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Blazers fans are going to be very familiar with the fact that they that the Kings added Justin Jackson and Harry Giles because those are the two players they gave up yeah. to get Almost Zach Collins. Blazer greats. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be a lot of fun because they, they Bogdanovich is another nice player. They've got the right vets, I think, basketball wise um, on the team that can, that can help out the young guys. Uh, Willie Colley Stein really came on towards the end of the last season. And let's, I mean, like the Suns, they're a young team who's going to be really athletic. They're going to look to push the ball. Um, but they're the, I think they're the Suns with probably not as much high end talent, but more of the right veteran pieces around them to help the guys develop. So it's, it's, to me, it's kind of like two different Petri dishes, both kind of working with the same stuff, but you've got different controls in each one. And the King's control for theirs is, you know, the, the, the added veteran presence as well as the, you know, the veteran coach in the system with Dave Yeager there, who obviously he's familiar with guys like Randolph and, and Carter. So, um, I think when you're looking at the strengths, you're, you're looking at their youth and their versatility and then, uh, their their size and athleticism. And, I mean, what's crazy is you're talking about size and athleticism when you also have guys named Vince Carter and Zach Randolph on the team who don't have either anymore. So I want to like this Kings team. I, I really do. I There are pieces of it that I really like. De'Aaron Fox, who I really like coming out of, out of college. I, I really liked uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. I think he's a really good modern potential NBA center. Uh, I, I really like George Hill. I think so long as he stays healthy, he has been, I, I completely agree with you, Dan. He's, he's one of the more underrated NBA players that I've seen in my lifetime, frankly, uh, when you consider the impact he has on teams. But my, my main question for this team is what is, what's their goal this season? Is it going to be vying for a playoff spot with veterans like the Zach Randolph's, the Vince Carter's, the George Hill's, and on down that line, or are they going to be trying to develop the guys that they have? Right. And, and logically you would say, no, your, your absolute top priority has to be developing De'Aaron Fox and Willie Cauley, uh, Willie Cauley Stein and, and, and all of those guys, that should be what you're trying to do. But again, you don't make, you don't acquire the, you know, the George Hill. <laughs> if, if you're just going to play De'Aaron Fox anyway. So, It'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff and how the organization treads that that really murky water in terms of what they're really trying to do this year. Because without that direction, seasons get lost, and it doesn't take very long for a young NBA player to 
fall victim to poor development habits that, that come with an organization that doesn't really know what they're trying to do. And so that would be my concern here with this Kings team with while agreeing for the most part that they are fun, they have the potential to be fun, but I just, I hate, I hate seeing young talents get, you know, fall by the wayside as we saw with Ben McLemore. He, he, he was a really good talent coming out, but the Kings Kings, <laughs> they Kings. <laughs> there's a reason they have that. There's a reason they have that, that, that nickname and that they moniker, have that, yeah. that reputation. Yeah. And, and I hope that they don't continue to do that with again, really fun, talented young prospects. See, I think the Kings are a good candidate to overachieve. Because I think that having been built around Boogie for so long, when you take that piece out, I think they're just going to let him get out there and play for a while. And even though there is, there has been a lot of turnover, I think for the, my, my, my thought is that, you know, for the sake of the fans and for the sake of the organization, like just let them get out there and play for a while. And I think without that looming over them, without the question of whether or not he was going to stay or go, or the question of, you know, what kind of, who, which boogie are we going to get tonight? I think without all of that, there's going to be some sort of a um, some sort of a relaxation that sometimes leads to teams playing better than they actually are. And if I was going to choose a team from this division that was going to overachieve, my bet would be on the Suns. What do you guys think? Or I'm sorry, on the uh, Kings. What do you guys think? I think that's pretty well, fair. I think they can over. I think they can overachieve because nobody really has any expectations for. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly what I was so, going to go with. <laughs> So I, I think there's something to that. But so I'm looking at the roster right now. Who's their starting five? It's going to be Willie. Well, or, or no, no, like they're not their starting center. Oh, okay. but who, who will be there? So it will be I'm looking at George Hill, Buddy Hild, Vince Carter. As your, uh, I think as Jackson. Starting five. I think Jackson Who's, starts. At the three. Justin Jackson as a, I think as he starts a rookie. At, I think he starts at the three. Yeah. Okay, and then and then your four is whom? Bogdan. And then your five is Willie is Willie. Yeah. And that's not a good. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think they'll I, see I think, a lot though. I off the oh, bench yeah. no, you've got I, I, Fox, they, they Carter, uh, Giles when he's healthy. I mean, I, I, Frank Mason is another guy that they can throw in there who, who looked really good in in, in summer league. Um, uh, their ability to play small and, and run you, which I mean, this, this is what guys or this is what teams do that are that are looking to build. How fast and athletic can we get? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to play structured half court basketball because you've got youth and you're working on development. So, well, I was going to ask Tara. So do you, do you, by expectation? So what would your what do you think the consensus expectation is for the Kings? You know, I don't remember what they were chosen in term or what they what their projected win loss record is. So I don't know about you know with wins and loss, but I'm just reminded of the feeling of after Lamarcus Aldridge left, and there were very low projected numbers for the Trailblazers, and they outperformed. There was a lot of turnover, and they they uh, outperformed what you know Vegas had set for him for them, which was extremely low, and then what other people had predicted. Kings are at twenty eight um, so and a half. The situation, which is yeah, which is I, one game better than the Blazers were after Lamarcus left. The Blazers were projected for 27 and a half wins. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, I could see them over, I mean, in, in some cases, I could see them, you know, getting to 40. I mean, 40. if they were to over, if I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I could see, I could see that happening. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would not be surprised. Is that more, that maybe that's a little more specific? Yeah. I, I So the difference though, is that the, the Blazers still had Dame Lillard. Like he was a bona fide star yeah. by the time when, when LaMarcus left. Right. And was that also the same year that Batum left or did Batum stick yeah. around? No, everyone, all, all four starters left. It was Damien. That was so, it. So yeah. Matthews is gone. Batum's gone. Aldridge is gone. Lopez is gone. Yeah. yeah so, it, 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 for one thing, that that Blazers team was a was a miracle. <laughs> Dame <laughs> Dame Dame doesn't get enough credit for what what he was able to pull together in that in that year. Uh, although that's kind of a theme. Uh, Dame doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. But <laughs> but I, I do think you know with this Kings team. They don't have a Dame. Like they're they're cl- the closest thing to their Dame would be, I guess, George Hill is their best, you know, actual player at this point, and then Buddy, who they think is Clay Thompson and and Steph Curry combined somehow. I think yes. that's what, what Vivek said. Yeah, <laughs> gotta love Vivek. <laughs> Vivek is great for quotes. Retired Kobe so, and Vivek Ranadive, you know, those are like the best <laughs> things that happen to basketball as far as quotes I, go. I forget. I forget which year it was that that we were out there at Summer League, and I looked over. It was the, I think the Lakers were playing the Kings. It wasn't this year. I think it was last year. And I look over there, and I'm trying to see Vivek Renadive for. I had I had seen rumored that he was in the building for this game, and I'm looking over, and I'm trying to see where where the owner usually sits, whether it's courtside or kind of distance, talking to whoever they talk to back there. And Vivek's there wearing. <laughs> A, a huge apparatus for the uh, the new thing with cell phones, where you can where you can watch your cell phone up close to your eyes. I'm I'm blanking on what the, it actually the is. Google Glass. But, oh, virtual reality. Or yeah, yeah he's, he's, he has this huge <laughs> VR apparatus. And I'm like, that is an NBA owner over there. His team is playing. <laughs> they had just drafted, you know, a couple guys who they were hoping were going to be cornerstones to their franchise. And he's over there testing out VR gear. <laughs> I thought maybe, that was, I thought that was perfect. He was watching the movie. Maybe the, the uh, team from the Bay area showed Kevin Durant, you know, <laughs> I will, I have to say that I think Anthony, I had not, I had, because I'm so used to a world where, Damian Lillard is the center and the leader. And I just figure everybody has somebody on their teams like that, but you're right. When you look at the Kings, I don't know who steps into that role. And so I think, yeah, I think 40 now that I think about it without somebody, unless somebody steps up in that Damian Lillard type, like just so far beyond what anybody expected his ability to keep it together and drive everybody forward. Yeah. I think I will uh, revisit. I don't think um, 40, but I think 35 or, you know, 33, 34, 35 doing. And and I think doing that without boogie is the key part of what I mean by overachieving, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I think there's, there's absolutely something the the Ewing theory, right. Where consensus superstar takes off. And everybody thinks they're going to be terrible because the superstar was all that was carrying the franchise. And then all of a sudden the franchise does fine without him. Uh, I think, I think Boogie is, is kind of case a for actually super talented guy who doesn't have the impact. You'd like to see somebody of that talent actually make. 
I think he's he's the guy you point to as that example. And with that being the case, yeah, sure, I could see them overachieving. I would still probably have them as the fourth worst team. I'd probably, you know, I'd probably say the Warriors are going to be the best team. Clippers second, Lakers third, Kings fourth, Suns fifth. But I could, I could very easily see the Kings and the Lakers kind of battle it out for those for those uh, three four spots. Flipping it around. Well, that's this is really fun. But let's go ahead and move on to the next team. Uh, and let, Dan, do you have any last words on the Kings? No, I mean they're just kind of there. I, I could just see every team has those hashtags, their their slogan hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> At Kings, hashtag we're here. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the Clippers. So the Clippers last year were uh, fourth in the Western Conference, second in the Pacific Division. Their record was 51 and 31. They lost a huge list of players. I guess, I don't know if this is where they blew it up or not, but they lost a lot of people. Alan Anderson, Brandon Bath, Jamal Crawford, Raymond Felton, Luke Mumba Amute, Chris Paul, Paul Pierce, JJ Redick, Maurice Spates, and Diamond Stone are all gone. They've added Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Juwan Evans, Danilo Gallinari, Montrell Harris, DeAndre Liggins, Marshall Plumley, Willie Reed, Milos Tit. Teo Dosich, yep. Sundarius Thornwell, <laughs> Tyrone Wallace, CJ Williams, Lou Williams, and Jamil Wilson. All right. So Holy what crap. is going on with the Clippers? Um, a lot of things. I know. Um, honestly, I, I know a lot of people are picking the Clippers as a team that's going to fall like a rock. I don't think they're going to fall off that much. Uh, as much as, as, as good as Chris Paul is, he's a guy that had the ball in his hands 80% of the time. You're taking him off the team, and you're putting the ball in Blake Griffin's hand more. Now, Blake Griffin, when he's healthy, is one of the best point-forward-type creators in the NBA who's been underutilized his entire career. He can create from the high post. He can create from the wing. He can, The dude can pass. He can put the ball on the floor and drive and, and create for his own shot. He can actually shoot out from range now. Um DeAndre Jordan's still DeAndre Jordan. He's still going to have gravity around the rim. Hell, you can run Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan pick and rolls if you wanted. Not that I would recommend it, but I mean, that's the kind of creativity that Blake Griffin actually has. It's just never on display because Chris Paul performs so well with the ball in his hand. You're adding guys, and I hate Patrick Beverly because I think he's overrated. He's still a good NBA player. He's going to give it, he's going to hit open threes and he's going to play defense. Lou Williams is going to get you buckets. There's, There's no doubt about that. Gallo, if healthy, if you run <laughs> if you run Gallo, Blake, and DeAndre Jordan at the same time, your front court is going to be stressed. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that that's just so much size that there just aren't a lot of teams in the league that can match up with that. You've got six ten, six ten, seven foot. That that's that's really really difficult. And two of the three can can score from really anywhere. So, I mean, they added nice pieces. Montrez Harrell gives them a legit big man off the bench, maybe for the first time ever since DeAndre Jordan has been there. I, I can't think of a better backup center that they've had. I mean, it's just, just not something that they've had. So mm-hmm. I, I still think this is legitimately a 48-52 to 52 win team. Like, I, it would not surprise me in the least bit if they are right there in the thick of it in that 4-5 or five slot. And I know a lot of people have them, you know, 7-8 or even missing the playoffs. I just think this team has a lot more than people are giving them credit to, which really irked me because, God, I hate this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear from the other team from Los Angeles. I bet you don't usually get called the other team from Los Angeles. Yeah. Anthony, what are your thoughts on the Clippers? 
I think the JV team has a chance. <laughs> so, all right. So here's how, here's how I'll put it. I agree. I completely agree that I think, you know, people are overselling Chris Paul's impact on, on, or his, his departure, the impact that it'll, it'll leave on the Clippers. I, I like Chris Paul. I think he's a great player. I think he belongs in the argument for second best point guard of all time. Magic obviously being number one. And oh that's indisputable. God, there it is. Keep it moving. <laughs> but, but I, but I do think, I, I do think like Beverly, if you're going to get somebody to fill the role that Beverly is going to be filling, that's the guy you want to get, right? Somebody who just plays good defense, hits the occasional three when he absolutely has to and plays off of the ball while Blake Griffin uh, rightfully has it most of the time on the team. The only thing with the Clippers is, and, and Dan, you mentioned this, like if Blake Griffin stays healthy, if Danilo Gallinari yep, stays it's healthy, if, across if, the board, if, yeah, and, and it, when in the Clippers history has that kind of thing worked out well for the Clippers? No, never. Like in the modern day era for the, this Clippers franchise, since they, they brought it together, it's never happened. Chris yeah, Paul has had a the, hamstring. Blake Griffin has punched something or blown out a knee. DeAndre, DeAndre's been the one who's been mostly healthy. It's been Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin, which both those guys throughout their entire career, I mean, that's kind of been their MO. And adding a guy like Gallo, it's certainly risky, but I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree that if they stay healthy, then perfect. Then then I think they have a chance. I, I think they'll fall out of the top four. I could see them being like a fifth or a sixth seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I, I do think, though, if, if, if all things go well and if they stay healthy – and look, Blake Griffin has a fire lit under his rear end, right? He All he's hearing about this well, – He has a lot of money. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> that might be that might be fueling the fire. He might be lighting <laughs> He might be burning fire, but, it right now. <laughs> Yeah, you may as well. He he can't really spend it. But they, I I think he all he's heard this this past offseason is how much they're going to miss Chris Paul, how much he needed Chris Paul to be successful at any level in his career, or or reach the levels that he's reached already. That he would never have been able to do that without Chris Paul. That's all he keeps hearing, and that's all his people keep telling him. And so I think people forgot that Blake season, Griffin played, you know, before Chris yeah. Paul got there. And was hugely <laughs> was, was, was you know a twenty and twelve guy and yeah. easily the most marketable player in the NBA, not named LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. So so I think a, you're going to get an inspired Blake Griffin, uh, and hopefully he stays healthy because I I do think I believe in Blake Griffin as a talent. But again, the the Clippers are Murphy's Law. They are the NBA's <laughs> Murphy's Law. They, everything that can go wrong will every single year. That's that's how that works we, out. We are creating um, hashtags for every team. Yeah. <laughs> LA Clippers hashtag Murphy's Law. <laughs> so I, I think I, I like I said I, I I agree completely, Dan. That there's the potential here that they can you know overachieve based on expectations because they're the expectations are too low on this team, but it also wouldn't shock me at all. If Blake Griffin misses like 30 games and, and Danilo Gallinari misses, you know, half a season or more Patrick Beverly tries to fight whoever is going up against him in practice and Deandre Jordan gets traded. I get it. The, the worst case scenario, the, the gap between the worst and best case scenario for the Clippers, I would argue <laughs> is the biggest in the NBA this year. You're probably not wrong. Wow. That, that's actually, I mean, I mean, it's 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 just chaos theory. 
That's I mean, and mm-hmm. you're th- and you're throwing a player, and uh, this is me throwing shade and speaking the truth here. You're throwing a player in Patrick Beverly, who is not exactly known to just kind of be there and do what he needs to do. <laughs> yeah, he's not quite. He the, wouldn't go on the Sacramento team very well. No, no. This he mean. <laughs> This is what got him in the league, though, was being that dude. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you need to have one of these guys on your roster uh, to an extent. Um, but if I think, I think if things go sideways, you're gonna start looking at, at Beverly real quick as as like that guy. Like I think there's a little bit of Dwight Howard in him. Like it's just yeah, I could see that. I mean, they, just instantly just tearing everything apart from the inside. Um, <laughs> Imagine Dwight Howard being contagious. Yeah, exactly, because he he was there in the Rockets with him, and and there you go. That, that that's maybe that that's who they'll trade it. for DeAndre Jordan. Oh God, yeah. I would pay to see that. I I would legitimately pay to see that happen. Do you guys want to know what I think is interesting about the Clippers? Absolutely, hit it. So I am interested to see if the loss of Jamal Crawford and JJ Redick has a big, big impact on them. Because if I was a fan of the Clippers, I would be really worried about that. Um, just with their ability to just come in and get a bucket, like just come in and get a bucket, come in and get a bucket. Like, I don't know who they have anymore who can do that to the extent that those two were able to do it. And I'm also curious about uh, doc and him coaching this whole new crew. Well, he's actually uh, just coaching now. It will be so, successful. So that's actually probably a good thing if you're a Clipper fan. Doc is no mm-hmm. longer your GM. But are these his, his kind of guys, like, compared to other teams that he's had him put, you know? I know he's not putting it together anymore, but I don't know. This this team just doesn't seem to be, like, the same kind of team anymore where he, you know, he's used to having a lot of, um, you know, established veterans who – he goes out and and gets because he knows what they already well, are. He, and he when did I look on the list of people, I'm like, I don't know who any of these guys are. He did that with the Clippers, but when he was with the Celtics, the guys that he had were no-name guys that he were, were kind of brought in to fill holes. You had the James Poseys, the Tony Allens, you know, that were no-namers that came in and, and got Rondo it done. Even. Rondo, um, uh, Peachy Brown. I mean, you had guys that came in and, and made their name or revived their name or Kendrick Perkins, who another guy I absolutely hate. Patrick Beverly is a Kendrick Perkins of point guards. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I can see that. So you don't see that it would be, it'll be any different challenge to doc that he hasn't seen before. No, I, I the think the guys they brought I in think, are good. I think the one thing too, that, that, Doc will be good for this team is I don't think there's a coach who plays the victim better than Doc Rivers does. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he he is going to every single day tell them how little people believe in them as an as a team and as an organization and and what they're trying to do. He, he's going to every time Chris Paul says anything about how much he likes it in Houston, he's going to find a way to spin it within those within the locker room to make it sound as if. Chris Paul wasn't appreciative of his time there in LA. Like that's what, that's what doc rivers does. He's the same guy who says that the, the Celtics never lost a series when all five of theirs, their guys were healthy as if Kendrick freaking Perkins was the secret to beating those Lakers. Like get out of here with that, man. And <laughs> so with, so with these, with these Clippers, I think one, like you said, Dan, him not focusing or not, you know, working that one fewer day in the week, 
uh, and, you know, maybe getting an extra round of golf in every, every <laughs> week to you know, <laughs> maybe calm his nerves and relax yeah, him a little like, bit. <laughs> that might, that might help a little bit. Um, we, we're going to find out a lot about Austin rivers this year. You know, he's the guy, if, if the Clippers miss JJ Redick, it's because Austin rivers didn't step up to, to fill that void. And, and they're going to miss JJ Redick's gravity because they're going to rely a lot on some versions of pick and rolls that put Blake Griffin, hopefully in space to be able to make decisions. And if Austin rivers, isn't good enough at knocking down a three point shot, or, you know, a uh, catch and shoot threes, then the defense doesn't have to stay honest on him and life gets a lot more difficult on Blake. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I just, I can't, anytime people say, well, you know, maybe things can go right for the Clippers. Just <laughs> yeah. my instinct is always, no, it's, it, it won't. <laughs> it's going to fail miserably. Well, so both of you, but both of you sounds like do believe that the Clippers may have the potential to uh, be better than people I don't think they're the odd team out. They're not blowing it up. No, I don't think they're the odd team out of making the of missing the playoffs. I I don't think that they're one of those teams. And the the thing is, like anybody who's heard me talk about how the playoffs are going to shake out this coming season, in my opinion, it's one through four is set. Five through ten is just a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. But there are there are levels to that five through ten. I think the Clippers are closer to five than they are to that ten. Okay. Well, we should probably move on to finish this out and talk about the final team, the last team we're going to talk about. Oh, team from the Bay Area. They finished first in the Pacific Division. Their record was 67 and 15. They finished first in the Western Conference. They lost Matt Barnes, Ian Clark, and James McAdoo. James Michael McAdoo. Oh. I got a big sigh on this one. They added, you hear my sigh, Jordan Bell, <laughs> Chris Boucher, Omri Caspi, Antonius Cleveland, Michael Jabinji, George Nyang, and Swaggy P. Take it away. Talk about them. I don't talk about this team. They, they, I mean, they got better. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I hate the Oregon Ducks with all that is mighty and holy, but Jordan Bell may be the best basketball product they've ever produced. And he's the perfect player for the Warriors. We're going to go ahead and give you this player that his sole purpose in life is to hustle, play defense, grab rebounds, and run the floor. Oh, you mean you want to play small ball five? Perfect. What is it the Warriors were lacking right now? Oh, that's right. A small ball five when when, uh, Draymond wasn't out there. Like, I mean, he's literally perfect. He's unselfish with the ball. He doesn't need touches. He, he's, you're not out there looking at him like, oh, crap, Zaza's back out there. Like, the one hole that they had in their entire franchise, they they filled it with cash considerations. A pick that they bought from the Chicago Bulls. I think it was 300000 I mean, that's just, that's just nuts. Omri Caspi is another one of the all-underrated players. If he's healthy, he's a perfect utility piece that you can plug in two through four. Nick Young, I mean, people want to make fun of Swaggy. Swaggy still gets buckets. I mean, that's that's a real yeah. thing. Um, and everybody else, you know, it's kind of whatever. The only thing that they kind of, you know, lost, quote unquote, was the blazer killer Ian Clark. <laughs> that was my exact thought. Like, when I was I'm like, thank God he's not on the Warriors anymore. <laughs> Maybe he takes his juju away. Like, unless he ends up like on this. Like, 
Like, I don't even I don't even see where he ended up or if he's ended up anywhere yet. I just hope to God he's not on some lands on some god awful crap team in the NBA and still manages to like drop thirty on Portland and secure a win for a team that should never get it. I mean that guy is is not only a, a founding member; he may be the president of the Blazer Killer Club. That guy is just it's it's insane. But I mean we're. I, I don't know how much hyperbole you can get to. Because you're depressing me. No, no, I don't know how much hyperbole you can get into. This is right now the best team ever. And you can argue with the Bulls and blah, blah, blah. They were not this deep. They had Jordan Pippen, Rodman, and then a bunch of other top-tier guys. But they didn't have guys that you you have two no-doubt Hall of Fame, or two no-doubt MVPs. The defensive player of the year, a guy that could be a, a no doubt all star, even if he wasn't on the Warriors and Clay Thompson, and then sixth man of the year candidates, like multiple ones, and Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. Like, I mean, what they've been able to put together is just staggering. And like Anthony said earlier, you couldn't put together a more perfectly constructed team. I mean, that's really what it's at. Well, how nice for them. Anthony, <laughs> you have the irrational confidence of a Laker fan. What is the um, key to beating them? Oh, man. Uh, well, out here in L.A., it's, it's Marcelo Huertas is what you yes. need to beat. <laughs> you need to beat the uh, Golden State Warriors. He has to be your starting point guard. They have to be hungover, uh, <laughs> hopefully on a back-to-back. <laughs> but, but really, like it, it's it's tough to look at this team. So they won 67 games last year, right? They cruised to 67 games 67. while Kevin Durant missed while Kevin Durant missed 20 of those games. He missed a quarter of the season, and they were just like, okay, fine. I guess we only win 67, not 70, whatever. Like that, it's insane what, what this team has been able to do, and a lot of it has to do with insane luck. Uh, Steph Curry's ankles just all of a sudden stopped breaking yeah. and Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant decided he's cool with not making max money. So long as players are willing to, to take pay cuts to continue to play together on this Warriors team, the NBA doesn't have a chance. It, it really doesn't because if you have somebody at, you know, being paid as a max player and they're being paid less than Kevin Durant is being paid, you're already fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. Even if you have somebody who's making equal money with Steph Curry, chances are you're fighting an uphill battle. And it's unfortunate. It it makes the, you know, it, it makes the regular season feel completely unnecessary, but it's something that is legitimately a factor. And, and this is why, Tara, every team that you've mentioned just about, other than the Suns here, has had crazy upheaval. Just this Summer alone, Jimmy Butler moves, Paul George moves, Gordon Hayward moves, Kyrie Irving moves, uh, Isaiah Thomas moves. That's all because these teams are vying for position either to say, all right, we're going to try to tank while the Warriors are really good and maybe figure things out as they hit their decline. Or we're going to do whatever we can to make some foolhardy attempt at trying to compete with this juggernaut that they've become. All the movements that have occurred this year in the NBA are directly a result as you know, to, to the dominance that this organization has, has put together. It sucks because I'm not a particularly huge fan of the Bay being a Dodgers fan and a Laker fan and all that, but that's, (laughs) that's how this stuff works out. This team is so good that they've gotten other professional franchises to say, screw it. Yeah. 
That's that's I mean, yeah. to put this in perspective for anybody who is not fully aware of how ridiculous what's going on in Oakland really is. Like you, okay, it, it's nuts. I mean, that's literally that's, that's that's the only point that you can get to is that they've gotten people who were responsible for a billion dollar enterprise to say, "Nah, we're good." Multi-billion dollar. Yeah. At this point in the NBA, you have multi. The Houston Rockets sold for two and a half, but I, I think. The one thing that I, I will say I that makes me excited about the Warriors' existence is this type of their decline movement. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> like the, the, the all the player movement that's going on is really fun to me. You know, the, all these teams that are doing whatever they can, the potential for another super team because this is how it always works out. When you have one super team in the NBA or in professional sports, some other team convinces himself that they can have a shot at, at going after him. And, and right now you have Chris Paul and James Harden teaming up in Houston and, and maybe another star goes, winds up there as well. You have Russell Westbrook and Paul George teaming up in Oklahoma city. And, you know, may, if they're, if they convince Russ to sign his extension, maybe they move a couple pieces to get somebody else there as well. Uh, Cleveland has a first round pick that I don't think they're going to use to, to acquire anybody because I don't think they believe that LeBron is back next year and you don't trade away high first round picks when the piece of your organization could depart. Uh, but if they do choose to go in that direction, that can fetch you a pretty nice piece uh, to play alongside LeBron and Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas if, if he's healthy. So as as easy as it is to look at the Golden State Warriors and just throw up your hands and say whatever, that's not how professional sports have worked historically. Somebody always steps up to try to to try to try to challenge them. If not this season, next season. I mean, look at what I I am. I do believe in Lakers exceptionalism. I'll, 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 I'll cop to that, but it's cool that there's a chance that, you know, LeBron and Paul George and another superstar could try to team up next year to try to take down this Warriors team. And that's really fun to me. It's better to me than like, we're watching the NFL right now. And, and, you know, everybody points to the NFL is the good parts of what parody should be across professional. No, it's, it's just mediocrity. It's, it's boring football that nobody likes really watching. The warriors are as great as they are. And somebody at some point is going to challenge them. And I can't wait for that challenge to actually arrive. <laughs> Very good. I think we should end on that note. I think we should wrap up our, um, wrap up the preview and thank Anthony for being here. That was really fun. It was fun to hear your insight, uh, both about the Lakers and about the other teams that are a little bit closer to you that you see a little bit more often than we do. Dan, do you have any, uh, parting words of wisdom on, uh, the Pacific division or thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? No, I, I still think outside the Warriors is probably the, the, the worst division in basketball right now. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just it's what, quite it, a contrast. It, it, I mean, contrast the Pacific division with the Northwest division. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's easily I mean. the two biggest contrasts in, in the, I think in the league. I mean, you've got yeah. the deepest division from top to bottom and arguably the best division because there's not a weak league in the entire division. And then you look at the Pacific and you're like, wow, everybody not named Golden State is really just kind of saying screw it. I mean, the Clippers, they aren't saying screw it, but, the, the other three teams are, are vying for ping pong balls 
I mean, that's just kind well, of the Clippers. Said. The Clippers could very easily say screw it. Yes, right? I mean they, they haven't. They by haven't the traded line, yet, they could hit they that could button. Hit that button. Oh yeah, they could. They yeah. could hit that button so quick because you know there'd be a team out there would, that would take Blake Griffin in a second. I mean, if Oklahoma yeah. City could find a way to make a move to bring Blake back to Oklahoma, they'd do it. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of yeah, teams out there get- that, would, that would take DeAndre Jordan. Um, so I don't think they'd have a problem doing that at all. And then you'd really have a division that's like, ha, Warriors, oh yeah, no, we don't care. I have I have this sneaky undermine, underhanded thought that every team should just throw out their bench to play the team from the Bay Area and just like nobody put any competition up against them all year and just make them play like the bottom half of the bench every night. I think that would be so funny. Just drive rage. I don't know down. that it would do anybody any good, but I think it would be so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, I'm it's all not, for It's not all that down. different from what the Suns have done, right? Like oh, everybody God. jumps on the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> on jumps on the Lakers for tanking, but like the Lakers' young players just happen to be their best players. So down the stretch of the last season, when they played their young guys, it was actually the best teams that they can throw out there. Last year, Devin Booker dropped 70 and then sits out the next game because why exactly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, I, I, I roll with the, if nothing else, it, it would be uh, really funny to see the Warriors, like how they would treat, how Draymond Green would treat. They'd be this. so mad. Yeah. It would be so funny. Poor KJ Clayman, Pat Connaughton. Every night, yeah. You guys get out there, get buckets. <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. Someone come up with a hashtag for that. Well, you guys, <laughs> thanks a lot for the great conversation. Uh, really appreciate it tonight. Anthony, will you tell folks uh, how, if they decide they want to go over and take a peek at what's going on in the Laker world, how they might find you and your content? I am at Anthony Irwin LA. I'm usually the guy everybody's really angry at. So like, generally speaking, usually. If, if, <laughs> if you see like a high number of people subtweeting some jerk from Los Angeles. It's, it's just a good chance. It's me. Um, uh, but, but you can find that at, at, uh, that's at Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter. And then I'm at silver screen and roll. I, I write over there and then locked on Lakers is, is uh, a daily podcast that Harrison Fagan and I host. Uh, we have fun. We try to, we try to have fun as often as we possibly can. You have to, because gallows humor is the best humor. <laughs> it is, this is true. And as long as you can bring a giraffe, you're good to go. Yeah, he's the the rare white giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, Dan, tell people where to find you. As always, folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang on Blazer's Edge. You can find us, uh, find me there. Um, All the podcasts are all rolled into one now at Blazer's Edge as well as AlmightyBallerRadio.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, send us questions, comments, feedback on Blazer's Edge. You can send me questions, comments, whatever you want on Twitter. Uh, DMs are open as always. So, uh, yeah, awesome.